Hey friends and welcome. Thank you for joining us for another episode of The Common Room. Uh, my name is Garnet and I'm joined here by Erdenos, uh, Jimmy and Brandon. And I've got a quote for you guys just to kick us off today. Uh, as some of you may have heard, our topic is science versus faith. And so this is one from Albert Einstein. And he believed that science without religion was lame and religion without science is blind. So that's a good one to think of. And I think, Brandon, you had another quote. Yeah, yeah. So I have a quote from uh, St. Augustine of Hippo. And uh, yeah, no one is allowed to come at, with, uh, come at me about it because he was a saint. And I'm just <laughs> reading his quote. That's all I'm doing. All I'm doing is reading the quote. Oh, he did it again. Uh, <laughs> usually, even a non-Christian knows something about the earth, the heavens, and other elements of the world about the motion and orbit of the stars, and even their size and relative positions, about the predictable eclipses of the sun and moon, the cycles of the years and the seasons, about the kinds of animals, shrubs, stones, and so forth. And this knowledge he holds to as being certain from reason and experience. Now, it is a disgraceful and dangerous thing for an infidel to hear a Christian, presumably giving the meaning of Holy Scripture, talking nonsense on these topics. And we should take all means to prevent such an embarrassing situation in which people show up vast ignorance in a Christian, it, it show up vast ignorance in a Christian and laugh it to scorn. The shame is not so much that an ignorant individual is derided, but that people outside the household of faith think our sacred writers held such opinions. And to the great loss, uh, and to the great loss, those for whose salvation we toil, the writers of our scripture are criticized and rejected as unlearned men. If they find a Christian mistakes, uh, mistaken in a field which they themselves know well and hear him maintaining his foolish opinions about our books, how are they going to believe those books in matters concerning the resurrection of the dead, the hope of eternal life, and the kingdom of heaven? When they, th when they think that their pages are full of falsehoods on facts that they themselves have learned from experience and the light of reason. Reckless and incompetent expounders of Holy Scripture bring untold trouble and sorrow on their wiser brethren when they are caught in one of their mischievous false opinions and are taken to task by those who are not bound by the authority of our sacred books. For then, to defend their utterly foolish and obviously untrue statements, they will try to call upon Holy Scripture for proof and even recite from memory many passages which they think support their position, although they understand neither, <laughs> neither what they say uh, nor the things about which they make assertion. Boom. Mic drop moment. <laughs> A calm, chill guy. Yeah. Well, I'd love to kick us off by just asking, like, with this topic of science versus faith, what, uh, what are some of your experiences as you've been going down your faith journey about where you've experienced this? Starting from me? Sure, yeah. Sure. Um, I've... With science versus faith, I think um, even that phrase versus implies that there's this yeah, totally. or that. Yeah, totally. Mm. And that doesn't sit well with me because um, with faith, um, as Christians, it's the truth. And science is the study of nature and material, everything around us. So in my view, science is studying the creation of, of God, mm. all of us, whether it's human beings, animals, earth, planets, everything. Um, so that versus part is something that I kind of take out and I say science and faith yeah. as they can coexist and mm. help one another to understand it better. And in my experience, I guess I've, um, I had this in school uh, in, when I was taking uh, chemical engineering. My professor, we usually go back and forth arguing about oh yeah science is everything you have to it has to be observable if you don't give me the numbers and the data you mm. cannot prove it yeah. whereas faith we're not walking by sight and just by our five senses but you know our our spiritual aspect of it as well yeah. so yeah. yeah in my experience i struggle with it and just the humility and the being okay with not knowing everything is yeah. mm. i guess and that part of science versus faith how did you so you have a chemical engineering background who doesn't <laughs> it's amazing. how did you navigate that while you were in school like did you because i know of a, a a lot of i have a couple brilliant friends who have their phd in like health science uh, um, humanities and health sciences 
who are brilliant thinkers, and at least one of them has said, honestly, there were many times in some of my coursework where I just felt like I had to compartmentalize my spirituality in order to be fully invested in mm-hmm. in my studies. Yeah. Not to shut it off, but to be like, I don't know how to jive with these two things. Mm-hmm. Did you ever find that you're like, oh, this interrupts me a little bit? Huh, I gotta think about this. Mm, um, not more so of it interrupting me, but more so of um, exciting me and kind of mm-hmm. giving so me cool. the motivation. Mm-hmm. I. I went to school like right after high school. I went to UFT to study psychology, human biology, economics. I was all over the place, and in that, my motivation was extr- uh, extrinsic. Was mm. coming from me achieving a certain grade or um, me getting a career or so on. But after taking time off, going wherever God led me to go, um, I ended up in the chemical engineering program. And in that, uh, it was more intrinsic motivation. I actually wanted to learn. I actually wanted to understand all, everything that goes in our our world. I want to understand how the brain works, how the molecules combine together to to form an atom. And all of those things actually helped me in excelling in my program. I graduated with honors with 90 plus grades, everything because of that interest yeah. to find the truth. And it wasn't that that goes against what the Bible says or about what God created, but it was more so of my interest to understand it more. In class, I'd be like, oh my goodness, thermodynamics, this is amazing energy. Let me, how does this relate to God and how he created us? And within all that, it's the humility of saying, I might not understand it, yep. but mm. it's, it's cool to kind of dive into it. So. Yeah, for me, it was more of a motivation to to learn more and find out the truth. Mm. That's awesome. Mm. Jay, yeah. what would you say? For me, the opposite. Um, I have a Bachelor of Education in Religion, uh, Master's in Theology um, that I'm still working towards a second part on. And like, I find it's, they are so juxtaposed, you know, like even in so with uh, some academic ha- hangouts that I've had with other friends who have master's or post-grad degrees as soon as i say they're like yeah masters i'm like yeah i'm working on a bunch of other stuff yeah like oh what's your masters and i'm like oh theology and it's like you know because of that it's like oh who's come on what's this guy gonna (laughs) so you finally discredit you then it's not a discrediting actually um earlier on maybe i feel like we're in a more uh it feels like our culture is more spiritually open to spirituality not necessarily religion but like good good do you do you bro whatever you know um but they're uh, they're so they feel like so diametrically not opposed to each other but separate is like oh it feels like we're both watching our tongues like mm. what do i say because we might not agree and what if this gets into evolution is false and what if you're like a literal like seven to eleven or, you know genesis one to eleven seven day six day creationist yikes you know um so so it is strange in my background um i i would say friends honestly a decade ago i would have been a card carrying lacking knowledge for sure but card carrying not anti-science but like i can tell you what's not true because of what the bible says you know and then it was my graduate work that when you start looking at some of what the bible says you're like oh this isn't a science textbook and it was never written for that the the bible is for the people of god to understand the history of god to understand the heart of god to follow the mission of god that's the reason for the bible the library of books of people's experience understanding their evolution spiritual spiritually speaking of here to there so that was a real game changer for me but in terms of my church and education background i remember as like a jerky little grade 10 grade 11 uh, science chemistry student being like (laughs) you know by the way uh, i did not have a master's uh, or undergrad degree in grade 10 or 11. so i was just like a snotty little (laughs) teenager who thought i knew everything because i grew up in an evangelical 90s evangelicalistic environment that was just like we're not that evolution is false we can learn nothing from the bible says it. i believe it that settles it let's do it so it was a lot of like unlearning so it sounds like you're honest you you had the, i love how you said uh, extrinsic and intrinsic that that your study in um chemistry and, and biology provided a, a firmer scaffolding 
mm. or your faith. Yep. Whereas for me, I had to pull some scaffolding down where I'm like, I've believed this or this version of things for so long. Why? And what can I learn? And then the the real watershed moment for me, uh, Willem and I, our producer, were talking before of uh, a, a friend of mine who is in um, his master's degree so gently and pastorally was like, can I explain to you, Jimmy, why I love Jesus and why I, affir I affirm evolution? And I had never heard that before. It, like literally in that posture, it wasn't like, can I, you idiot, blah, blah, blah. It was like, can I just, <laughs> can we just have a convo? And I was like, oh, that seems like the fruit of the spirit right there. And mm -hmm. I don't. So mm -hmm. what can I learn from this brother? And then he put me on to um, a wonderful professor, an Ontario a Waterloo professor um, who, who has done a lot of work as a Christian. We've had him at the meeting house before and it's like, no, like, anyway, there's lots to go on there. But um, yeah, my background would be, no, you, in terms of science, we have all that we need to know in the first 11 chapters of this book that we call the Bible. Wow. Kim? Brandon, what are, what are your thoughts on that? Uh, so there's two, there's two ways that I would answer the question. Uh, the first is, um, uh, so I, I, uh, I was in uh, private Christian school my entire life. Mm -hmm. Uh, so I definitely got the speech. I remember very vividly in the biology class in high school, getting the speech of, okay, we have to teach you this thing, uh, because we need to prepare you for post-secondary education, but you don't have to believe any of it. You just have to show that you know it. Uh, and so, and I remember, you know, being the, the somewhat angry, uh, not in the best place teenager that I was, my brain is immediately like, Forbidden knowledge. <laughs> I want to eat the fruit. <laughs> At last, I will know what they're not telling me. Uh, and I remember being very behind the curtain, almost, almost disappointed. Maybe, uh, disappointed would be too strong of a word. Once we actually started learning it, being like, I don't understand why everybody's so up in arms about this. Mm. It doesn't seem like any of this contradicts anything. It actually seems pretty cool. And I would be pretty pumped if I knew that God had actually kicked all this stuff into motion. Yeah. Uh, so it, I, I, I know that it, it, uh, there were definitely some people in my class who were like, oh, this is awful. We don't like it. But I, yeah, it was a mentality that I never really understood. Um, and then the second th way that I would, uh, expound my background is, uh, uh, you know, in a previous life, uh, and also post this event that I just talked about, I was a, uh, classical history major. Uh, and I remember, um, which is why I'm on a science podcast, by the way, yeah. I bring that <laughs> classical history. The humanities are here to represent the spectrum. Um, no, uh, uh, I remember sitting in class, uh, uh, and we were, it was, it was one of the first times where we were given, um, ancient sources to read from, uh, and, and I think it was on the battle of marathon. Um, and, and I remember reading like, you know, the death toll from the battle and then thinking to myself, you know. This reads a lot similar to some of the accounts in the Bible. Um, and then in that same class, we learned about how um, his, you know, historians of the time, they weren't bound by any sort of like rules or overseeing bodies. And so they would just inflate the numbers yep. just to make it sound more impressive. We want to seem awesome. And, and that was the, the start of a long spiral for me that would take too long for me to talk about fully, but of me realizing that uh, a lot of these sources that I'm studying sound a lot like the depictions in the Bible. And if the depictions in the Bible are like these are like these things, and that means that they can't be they can't be a hundred percent accurate. They can't be a historical narrative about what actually happened. And if that's the case, well I've been really raised my entire life to believe that this is what happened yeah. word for word. Hmm. Uh and if it wasn't, then then how can any of this be real? None of it works. <laughs> yeah. And so yeah, it was a long a, a a longer process, but eventually I, I came to the, the realization that, I mean, similar to what you were talking about, Jimmy, but without the, you know, the rich theological words to uh, actually <laughs> describe it properly. But I realized that it actually didn't really matter all that much if this wasn't a 100% historical narrative. What was more important was, uh, w was that I, that the person, first of all, the person of, the person of Jesus is historically verified both in secular and uh well obviously christian sources yeah. christian and secular sources uh and so long as i can believe in the person of jesus then it doesn't really matter mm. the other stuff is not uh 100 accurate and so i would expound that to my understanding of 
of of of science and the big bang and things like that is is like okay maybe they contradict the whole the world was created in seven days whatever uh but that doesn't matter because uh the person of the personage of Jesus is real, yeah, and so Jesus long as it comes Genesis, yeah. So long as he is real, so long as he is Lord, then none of those other details matter. We can fill in the gaps with whatever. Yep. Um. So yeah, that's that's how I would answer that question. I think. Yep. Garnet, what about for you? For me, yeah. I. It's funny. Like a lot of you guys are talking about growing up and these different experiences that you had, and it wasn't really something that stood out to me that really like was a conflict in my mind. Yeah. Uh, so it wasn't really until high school, really, that I started to wrestle with some of this. And uh, I was away at a, a camp in grade nine, and a friend of mine who I'd brought to the camp with me, it was a Christian camp, uh, had said, like, well, yeah, what about science, though? And I was like, oh, what about science? And he was going through, in particular, the idea of creation versus Big Bang. Yeah. Uh, and I was like, hmm, yeah, those don't really line up with, like, the two different sides of that. And... I was sort of at conflict with it a bit and the uh, camp speaker at the time was available to talk with and one of the coolest things that he sort of put me on is the idea of science being the how and faith being the why yeah. and that those two things are like you said in there they coexist with each other because they bolster and strengthen one another and I really like that and the way you put it was so eloquent and so it was neat and that was sort of the process that started me down that road and maybe this can help us uh, jump into that topic of creation versus big bang theory but um when we were talking we had sat down and um he was like well let's sit and look at the creation story mm -hmm. well on one of those days he creates the sun so how are we keeping track of days before there's a day and night cycle so then is that just a amount of time? And Jimmy, you might be able to provide more context to this, but um, I believe his point with some of that was that when it says day and night or like days, it did not actually denote a, a 24 hour day that we know, but it was a cycle of time or a period of time um, was what the original text was meaning. Uh, and maybe I'm wrong on this, but just to get some insight. Yeah, well, the Hebrew word there's, um, and I will butcher it too, but is so there, yes and no. So um, some Hebrew and Jewish linguists would say, yeah, exactly that. I was like, no, it's a uh, the word uh, a lot. It, it's a, it's a period of time in which activity has happened. The troublesome part is sun, moon, day and nights that um, no ancient reader. Uh, and this is the devil's advocacy part, would necessarily read Genesis 1 to 11 and be like, oh, that was over millions of years. They'd be like, mm. no, the sun comes up and goes down and then the moon. So no, we are talking about a shorter period of time. So mm. that it's, it's both sides. I don't, I feel like our creationist brothers and sisters do have a little bit of a point there to be like, well, hold on. Yeah, that could be true if not for the mention of the sun, moon, stars, day, night, and then the iterative process through which God creates. And then it gets even more complicated when you add humans, because humans don't live for the life cycle of a star being born, you know, uh, and a rock, space rock that reflects said star called <laughs> Um So, I mean, we can get into the philosophy and the theology behind that, but, but this is where the struggle has come from. Hmm. Um, so, yeah, it can be taken both ways. I would say there's a stronger case to be made for um, it being a philosophical additive of the writer of Genesis to mm -hmm. describe the experience that will be for the humans and God, which is where the apex of the creation story is going that we don't see in any other ancient Near Eastern or ancient um, uh, creation epic. You know, humans are not the apex of the pyramid. They're like, you know, subsidiary or subordinate slaves, compliments or counter to the gods like the gods are the apex which is mm. fascinating about the writing of genesis god is not like and i am god the holy one immortal blah, blah, blah. like he's not you know <laughs> blown his own smoke there instead he's like god first of all in the beginning was there john chapter one also says and the word the logos the divine spark the energy the presence um the the articulation of god was there too jesus there in person and then the spirit 
um, the presence, the warmth of God hovered over the void waters darkness. Okay, so that's interesting. In creation at the beginning, the spark is God, step one. Step two is darkness. So there's, there is something that is nothing that God is going to bring something out of nothing in order mm-hmm. to be something and that something will continue. And then we move on and on and on, and it's moving towards the relationship, humans with each other and then humans with God. And that's where the the creation story stops, as it were. Um, So again, it's not surprising then, and I think we'll get into this, is like, I do believe and affirm with great joy and glee that the the writer of Genesis is borrowing from other ancient mythology to mm-hmm. point towards a collaborative, creative, and joyful God that loves his creation, the world, and loves his creation and what will be creators, human beings. Like, it's like, yes, 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 it's God being like the amazing scientist creating mm-hmm. and making and being like, oh, look at this, look at this, look at this, look at this, as opposed to um, other ancient Near Eastern mythologies that are like, this all came out of a smash of chaos, out of the wars of the gods that were in the heavens, and like the earth was just like pooped out and humans had to deal with it. You know, you're welcome for that graphic language. <laughs> <laughs> we'll, we'll bleep that out. Yeah. It's very, post. <laughs> it's very Greco-Roman of you. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So coming back to the 24 hour, I think both have a case, but mm. um, is the point of Genesis 1 to 11 to make a firm case for a literal, um, six-day creation no no you know i mean i can riff on that for a long time but it's not the point genesis is not a science book it's a it's a story about origins in the heart of god and the heart of god with humanity Dennis, what was your uh, take on uh creation and the big bang big bang um i agree with a lot of uh, what jimmy said and um What's interesting is with Big Bang, um, I looked it up, and the person that, um, in order to understand it, because I think from our perspective, we try to, um, I remember my one of my chemistry professors telling me, you're Danos, you're, you already fixed your mind on the Bible being true, God being true, and everything. So the way you go at everything is to kind of prove that right and everything else not to be right. So I said, okay. And the way I understand things now is try to learn from both sides of perspectives and then yeah. trying to get the common denominator. From yeah. them. I truth, think that truth is truth, truth, is yeah. truth no matter no matter what we say about yeah. it. Exactly. So with the Big Bang, the first person, I, I wrote his name down, uh, Georges Lemaitre. I don't know if I'm pronouncing it wrong, but he was a Catholic priest. He was a theologian. Yeah, mm-hmm. he was like... After reading Genesis 1 to 11. Exactly. That's... Yeah. Uh, that's uh, I don't know. For me, it's 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 mind blowing how we can actually use um, science, which is the study of nature, against the Creator, we, yeah. whom we still don't know a lot about. We're still trying to figure out mm-hmm. the Big Bang. It's still a theory. Still trying to be proved. People say it's all in the math, the probability, and and so and so. But um, for me, I find it interesting, and I always try to understand it from the perspective of there being a creator and with that with the big bang also with um um what you just described in the first genesis it's uh with darkness and void and um the spirit of god hovering over the waters and there is in science there is this um uh, not theory aspect called sonoluminescence it's where sound actually produces light in water so it creates this uh, within the bubbles of the water, if it's so powerful, it creates lights within the the waters, which I think it's fascinating because it kind of, yeah, the, the, he said, let there be light and there is light. And it, we're, of course, in Genesis, we're, we're, we know that the spirit of God hovers the water. So I try to connect these things and kind of understand it from the science and, you know, God that created all things. Mm-hmm. So it gives me a better understanding of not a biased understanding per se, but um a better understanding of how this mysterious world came about which is we might not understand it fully but as long as we stick to the creator we we will have a better idea of how it came about and that's an interesting mental philosophical theological exercise 
because I think lots of us, probably here in the room and, and watching, when you think God, a lot of how you are able to process and navigate the creation apart from a literal six-day creation, how you perceive God can really screw around with that, right? Because mm -hmm. if we perceive in our mental image of God is a very tall, white-robed, uh, skinnier-looking Santa, <laughs> you know, like the, the Zeus image. Yeah. Well, man, yeah, that we're in a lot of trouble there yeah. because it's like, well, no, God is a man, or not really a man, like a father, but not really a father. Ugh, ugh, I don't know. I don't know. How do I how do I do that? Because yeah. we're used to having it's a male strong figure that's like crafting it together, mm -hmm. and we have repl replaced Jesus and Yahweh with Zeus uh, mm -hmm. and on a mountain. You know, so I mm -hmm. think for, I'll speak for myself. I have needed to kind of unplug from that wall of understanding to be like, hold on, God is. Let's let's go pre Jesus. Yahweh is not Adonai. Is not a man. He's not. It's the the best description is is voice. Right? Mm -hmm. Is this this um, all encompassing energy of experience that is both colossally. Uh, transcendent but intimately present you know so it's both and God in in the book of Job when uh, Job rails back against God God is like sit down where were you when where were you when where were you when where were you when and goes over all of these like really mythological creatures scenarios it's brilliant 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 so that doesn't make it into our creation arguments very much which is fascinating because it should but then also the first um, introduction that God uh, uses for himself is in a very simple tactile, literally tactile bush experience uh, with Moshe, who's a Moses, who's a who's a farmer, and God is like, I'm gonna have to get this guy's attention with something that's very common pyrotechnics. Yeah. <laughs> well, and it, I mean bushes, lest we think here we go again, <laughs> lest we think that like, uh, oh my goodness, a, a miracle. Like if if we were to transport ourselves back there and see a bush in uh, an Egyptian desert on fire, we wouldn't be like, what? we'd be like, it's real hot. That's a bush. It's probably pretty fire dry. all the time. Yeah. And you'd be like, whatever, I got to tend to my sheep. <laughs> now, if that bush is getting fierier and fierier and fierier, you're like, whoa, that's, that might take things over. And then you hear a voice calling your own name. Okay, everything has changed. God has entered into the mm. profane. And I don't mean that in like a negative way, but in in the in in the dirt, God has entered into the dirt, and uses the dirt to show who He is. The same thing is true in Genesis one. And by the way, there's two creation epics. It's not just Genesis one; it's Genesis two as well. So there's two different creation stories there too, which is problematic for our um, literalist six day creation brothers and sisters. Hmm. So. I mean, I'll stop talking <laughs> about it. No, yeah. So I, I want to come back to a couple of things that you've said. Um, it's interesting because I think a lot of Christians, and I say that with bunny ears, have, have, have been accused of exactly that from the science or academic community to be like confirmation bias, confirmation bias. Like you're, you're not willing to learn and listen and be led by the data. Uh, um, and you become more entrenched. I mean, you and I talked about this with the health thing. People tend not to plainly be open to new ideas. Instead, yeah. you look for avenues to be more entrenched in your yep. present reality and, and uh, personal philosophy. So can you walk us through, if you're able, how that changed for you? Where you're like, like was that helpful for to hear from your professor? Or it was, was, it like, it was very helpful. Okay. No. And how did that change from there for you? Um, it was... It was this this was during COVID time, so when everything was online. Yep. So we had more ability to, you know, even during Zoom fast chat. Yeah, like yeah. like yeah, and yeah. and respond as well as like sending a message. You don't have to speak, but you can just type a message and he mm. would read it. And in that we had a lot of open time where some students still show up. So the topic of God comes, of course. Mm. Um but he had um a, a Catholic background. Uh, now he's, he believes, uh, I believe, atheist, like in some sense. Yep. Um, 
but we would always go back and forth from me saying, yeah, there is God, God is love, God is awesome. And he's like, what proof do you have? Which God are you talking about? There, It always goes back and forth. And in that, he understood where I'm, I'm coming from. And I specifically said, I love science. I, I love studying it because it helps me understand God on a better, yeah, on mm-hmm. a different um, uh, avenue per se. And um, yeah, when he said that, I said, you're right. And now when I study things, I don't just study it to to prove my point right, but to actually understand the the other side of it that's going against my point. Does that make sense? Yeah, for some sure. Way? Well, that sounds a lot like scientific process, right? Yeah, like exactly. you, you build a hypothesis yep. and then you're actually trying to disprove it, not exactly. prove it. Exactly. Uh, yeah. And so like applying that to faith, it, it almost again continues to bolster. Exactly. And like you said, truth is truth. You will seek it and you will find it. It's just, mm-hmm. I think... Again, throughout the Bible, we're told the lack of knowledge is what destroys us. Just because, you know, science is covered in all this scary math equations, we try to be like, okay, it's true, let's just, you know, that's it. But nobody actually taps into it to understand it deeply. And um, that goes with truth. Everybody just accepts some sense. But it did help me a lot to understand things a lot better, to um, understand things from both sides of yeah. arguments uh, per se. Yeah. Um, I do have one um, quote I want to share if that's yeah, okay. Yeah, awesome. It is from the Bible. Um, Romans chapter 1, verse 20. It says, For since the creation of the world, sorry, for since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes, his eternal power, and divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood through what has been made, so that they are without excuse. Mm-hmm. I love that. I, that's my motivation to like his, his signature is throughout nature, and mm-hmm. like you described, his name is, is his presence in all of his creations. And there's so many amazing facts out there, like the 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 Hebrew name for God, the Tetragrammaton, the four four letters, how that's visible throughout nature. Like our DNA is it's composed of four um, yep. four bases of um, nucleotides no it's like yeah and um there's so many ways like the mathematical equations uh, operations we use they're still for there's like i used to get back at my professor with those facts and be like these mean nothing your dad and i was like you have to prove that god is real and like some quantitative matter so that i can understand so i used to always go out and search these uh, signatures of god in nature to kind of come back to him and um kind of prove that God is real, but I realize that that's not our job as Christians specific. Mm. It's our job to plant the seed, but it's God that gives the increase. So yeah. I leave it at that. But that's amazing. Yeah, definitely. I would love to dig in more there. How, how did your professor respond to when you came back with some of the data or possibility of the data? Was that like a, oh, interesting, or was it like a... Yeah, coincidence. From, that's, that's, yeah. He's like, oh, that's just a coincidence. You can't prove that there is. But then... Again, with, with the Big Bang as well, when I ask, because in school we learn about the Big Bang, and that is the fact that it's being taught to students, that that is how creation came about. But if you're looking at the numbers, and like you said, with science, probability and the statistics, it's it's matter- ma- mathematically impossible for the world to come to existence. There's actually a number that's um, 10 to the power of 10 to the power of 123. That's like one in they don't even have it's a name a for it with 123 yeah exactly yeah. so that is how that is the the possibility of our universe to produce life the, i don't know i just for me it's kind of like okay if you're talking math if you're talking numbers the numbers say that it is impossible so you do have to which great minds have agreed that there is a higher power there is a creator to all these things that we don't we cannot fully understand yeah mm-hmm. because we are the creation and our creator i've heard it described that uh, it would be more likely for you to win the lottery every single day and then immediately <laughs> get struck by lightning every single time yeah yeah okay i want to play devil's advocate there too so matt delante who's a, a scientist professor and is a known atheist skeptist uh and debateist. i don't know if that's a word um and he he's making the rounds now. He, he actually picked up on that, and I think he was debating. It was either Dineshi or Jordan Peterson, whoever it was. Look it up. 
um, he, so he was like, okay, hold on. Like Christians love to bring the fine tuning argument mm -hmm. into existence, but the, it is also problematic. Are you saying then, let me just play it back to you and apologies for not remembering who he was debating with, but it was, a, it was a fascinating argument that I've heard many times is like, that's, it's like the, it's Thor's hammer. Boom. Gotcha. Mm -hmm. And he picked it up. and was like, hold on here. But do you think that 123 billion to the power of whatever times, if you shuffled a deck of cards and you wanted to turn over the first card that was an ace of spades, the probability is super low. If you did that 123 bazillion, billion, 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 billion times, do you think there'd be one possibility and probability of it turning up that way? Okay, that's an interesting one. And, and whoever it was was like, yeah, it is possible. And he was like, I rest my case. Mm -hmm. There you go. It is possible that over a, a bazillion number of years mm -hmm. that life on earth mm -hmm. uh, is not just possible, but probable stretched over mm -hmm. that um, period of time and might also account for why we don't see as of yet any intelligent life or ecosystem on any other planet in our own solar system that mm -hmm. can sustain life. Mm -hmm. So I would love to just like throw the hammer out into the room here and say, what y'all think about that? <laughs> mm. Yeah, I, I mean, I think that's definitely something that's interesting. And I think as, like, I've been reading a little bit lately on some of the space exploration stuff that's been going on, and it fascinates me to hear about these places that we're discovering. And they're, <clears throat> excuse me, they're um, finding new solar systems that have planets that may have once contained life. Yeah. Uh, and again, this is all still stuff that they're working on and trying to figure out more about. But just to think that that may have been the case at one point there, that that one billion million chance could have been actually a, a two in billion million chance or a three in billion million chance. Like it, it would, it's so neat to me to think that there may be other like life out there as well that could have also been either just evolution or created. Mm. Uh, and so that, that fascinates me. And I think that that's something that excites me more than anything else. It doesn't, it doesn't make me feel like there is a victor or a side that is the correct side with that. It just excites me for what could be. Yeah. So you don't have a, any struggle with the probability or possibility that there doesn't need to be a God a la um, Matt Delonte. You would say, no, it's 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 God. It's the divine energy spark person of the universe that, that kicked that into existence and other, like it's all God's like creative handiwork or you would say, it could be both. I don't know. I mean, it, it could be both. And and I think that's, yeah, I'm, I'm going to say that bluntly. It very well could be both. But like for me, it's it's the the probability approach is not the thing that makes me a believer. What makes me a believer is the lived out experience faith that I see every day with the people that I interact with. Yeah. And like you said, I, I really loved how you put this, so I want to make a call back to it. But like the the signature of the creator, right? There that there's this. Uh, master artisan that has created things and we see their signature and the things that they've created like any artist they leave their signature or a little yeah. inscription in their artwork and the more you see those artworks the more you can then build a picture of what that mm -hmm. creator or what that artist is like mm -hmm. and so I see that very readily in a lot of what I believe to be God's creations and so that gives me a better picture of the artist that is God's and my experience with that yeah what about for you, you're honest. When, when you think about the probability, the anti-argument to theory of probability is like, well, done enough times over a long enough period of times with the same repetitive nature, you could you okay. could come up with plausibly what we have and what we can see. Um, I would have to ag agree with what he what he said. Um, the same way. Um, um, I think God has to. It's not just about creating it, but about sustaining it as well. Mm, yeah, and. And yes, possibly. Uh, you no, know, for me, I would say I, I know that it's it's God creation because of certain things I can't explain in my life, mm -hmm. except just saying it was God. Kind of adds to my, you know, my belief and the reason I'm a believer yeah. is because of my experience throughout life in certain places, certain areas in my life. I 
like I couldn't have survived. I couldn't have went through if it wasn't mm. for the presence of God comforting me, supporting me, and giving me peace mm. in 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 situations that you can't find peace in any other way. So yeah, my experience, my personal experience, and my relationship with God um, is what um, kind of shapes my perspective of the world that we live in. Yeah. And then, you know, science is just, you know, the hand that helps me kind of understand that a little bit better. You know, it's, mm. yeah, even in Proverbs, I think I forget exactly where, but it's one of my favorite scriptures. It said, the glory of God is uh, to conceal a matter and it's the glory of kings to, to find that matter. So mm. for me, just because we haven't found out yet, it doesn't mean that it's not God's you know, creation for us to find. He conceals it and we we are the adventurers that go out and explore it and find it. So, yeah. yeah. It's so coincidental that you brought that up. I was just doing a Hebrew word study on the word for glory last oh. night. <laughs> and the word is kavod, which doesn't actually mean like, when we think glory, we're like the biggest firework that you mm, can think of. Yep. The, the most literal, if you extrapolate a trans, um, he, Hebrew is always word pictures to get yeah. to a point, right? Not a, mm-hmm. not a word that then displays the point. It's the opposite. It's very artistic. Mm-hmm. So the word kavod it does mean like glory, splendor, but some um, uh, Hebrew definitions or linguists would say it also means intelligence. Mm-hmm. It's the intelligence of God. So the glory, the intelligence, intelligence of God is there for the intelligence of man to find. Mm-hmm. I love that. That's such a mm-hmm. good takeaway uh, the other takeaway that i i'm going to wrestle and process is what you said about i i love how you put it that god as creator like that spark but then also sustainer the fuel and i hadn't thought about that before and that's yeah really 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 good yeah and that's something where like i think that's that signature that's that piece there that like the more and more that my lived experience intertwines with my understanding of God, the more and more my faith grows in that Yeah, mm-hmm. because I've experienced it. It's, it's like, again, you, you want to apply scientific, scientific theory to things is like, okay, the more times you do an experiment and it has the same outcome, it's like, well, mm-hmm. then this is probably the outcome, mm-hmm. right? And the more times I've been in these situations, these hardships or other things in life, and I've seen the presence of God there, the more it bolsters my faith in that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I want to come at you, Brandon, in a, in a very gentle passage. Um, <laughs> you have done a, a lot of wonderful research study in your background with uh, ancient history, in particular in Rome. Um, do you want to comment on Romans chapter one as well? Because Paul is using such borrowed phraseology and imagery to like point the Roman citizens away from something and towards something. Like mm-hmm. in, in him, we move and breathe and have our being, Colossians. Um, the the finitude of like the Roman deities at the time versus the infinitude of God. It's such a brilliant text that Paul uses mm-hmm. that would not have been heard by Roman pagan citizens as like, what? They'd be like, oh, we know exactly, wait a minute, what? Mm-hmm. We know what you're talking about. Yeah, well, I, I mean, I think it really goes back to what you were saying earlier about this idea of 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 um, the God that we see in, in, in Yahweh is so much different from a Zeus, so much different from a, uh, you know, any of the other figures. I'm, <laughs> you know, I'm drawing a blank. I could list the whole pantheon, but no, nobody got time for that. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, uh, but like you see these, these, like these deities that each define a very, uh, almost, uh, there's, there's an oddly, uh, an odd humanity to them in that, they each seem to to embody a certain aspect of humanity that I think, from a modern point of view, we would view as as negative. Yep. Uh, I mean, the bottom line from 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 the Greek uh, mytho- mythological tradition is that the gods are not your friends, and and not friends with each other, and not friends with each other, mm-hmm. and and you know, humanity only really exists because uh, as an as an afterthought, and uh, you know, it was a, a shocking. Uh, betrayal and insult for Prometheus to have given flame to such lowly creatures, um, and 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 so to 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 point to this idea of a of a singular God who is infinite, all powerful, is already like mind blowing enough because you know the the it was it was a very uh, separated uh, thing. Like there's no one God that holds all this this power. Even Zeus himself had to overcome 
many different types of beings that were more than his match. Yep. Uh, and the idea that there could be one all-powerful God who just doesn't have an equal is already mind-blowing enough. But now add on top of that the fact that this God loves you and actually cares about you and is not going to, you know, turn you into uh, stars or some other thing because you happen to accidentally stumble upon him bathing. Right. Uh, and it's, yeah, <laughs> it's, it's, it very much uh, speaks to that kind of, uh, that I think, I think a lot of what Paul was trying to, 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 to get to was, was, was that sort of mental mentality shift of, of here are the gods, you know, here's a God that, that I know. And I don't know. Uh, I connect the dots. Let me, exactly. Yeah. Mm. And I think, uh, I wanted to return to the, uh, the question you posed, uh, Garnet and uh, Jordanos about, um, about, uh, uh, the probability, uh, thing. Cause I've been thinking about it a little bit, how I would answer that question. Um, and, uh, <laughs> I think my answer is not well, but, um, the thing that come, came to my mind after thinking about it for a while is, is I think that, that, yeah, I would, I would have to concede the point that yes, it, it, it is a probability wise. It's not impossible. It's a probability. It's, mm -hmm. it's based on the idea that this is how many times it would take roughly before you got one example where that thing would happen. Um, is it, is it possible that that all of this is a coincidence absolutely it's 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 possible but um you know <laughs> i'm not an especially uh, uh i wouldn't classify myself as a, as a uh, as an especially gifted man intelligence wise uh <laughs> i'm not so, smart man. <laughs> i'm not a smart i studied the humanities those are some I'm big no, those no, are some no, big no. words to uh to say that you're not smart <laughs> <laughs> But uh, so a lot of my problem solving comes down to, uh, in the way that I tend to view the world, comes down to Occam's razor. Uh, mm -hmm. What is more likely? And so to me, I, 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 you know, and this, this, you know, someone smarter than me might hear that and be like, oh, I don't know what this, you're using that wrong. But like, what's more likely that, that, it, that this infinitesimally small thing uh, happens to come up? Um, uh, or because you know best estimates are what that the earth is is like like 20 something billion years old uh that doesn't even approach the the amount of 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 that doesn't even approach the probability level of 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 you know this happening by by chance by happenstance it would have happened to you know if you if you envision that deck of cards and it is as big and as large as as the the probability would indicate uh it you know it, could you pull the top card and it would be and it would be the thing? I suppose so, yeah. But the chance of that happening is very, very small that it would happen that soon yeah. and that quickly. Yeah. Uh so I don't know. It's definitely I would have to conceive the point, but for me it seems far more likely that that for things to have happened the way that they did, uh, that someone would have had to be have been behind that. Mm -hmm. And if I'm wrong about it, I don't think I mind that much. This is mm. I, I you know, I I find the idea that there is a there is a a, a deity akin to what Paul was trying to uh, instruct the Romans about, uh, who actually cares about me, insanely comforting. And uh, yeah. you know, a lot of people uh, would call that weak that uh, that you would need that. I, I have atheist friends who uh, who you know they they will tell me all the time that uh, that uh, Christianity is a crutch that you yeah. use because you're not strong enough to accept the world as it is. And maybe that's true. But I, I think I'm okay with that. Mm -hmm. uh, I, you know, I that crutch gives me strength and and uh, and orients my heart more towards, uh, you know, trying to help others and be a servant. And yeah. you know, you don't need to be believe in God or Jesus or the Bible to be a good person. But I don't think it hurts to have this example to follow. Yeah, and I I really like that because I that's one of the things that has always come up for me in discussion in in this sort of what about the science faith discussion it's okay so if we just assume that everything i believe is is wrong with that and that it is all science it is all down to the the pinpoint of it all what does me believing this and following this what does that do what does that change like if if i'm living out a better life trying to be a better person and serve others and care for others and be invested in community because of this belief yeah and that turns out not to be true well 
then I still lived a pretty dang good life and I'm kind of happy about that. So mm-hmm. what of it? <laughs> mm-hmm. I've, I've been having the same thoughts just listening to you guys talk that um, kind of back to the hell podcast that they're, if you're looking at Christianity as like the end goal of heaven, hell, how does all this stuff work? Then I feel like that's where you start to butt up against, well, science can't be real because the Bible's real and these two things, you know, you know, can't be mutually exclusive. Um, but if you are living as a Christian, like if, if there's no God, then, you know, we're still called to serve the poor, to make the world a better place. And it kind of doesn't matter if the universe started with a big bang, like if it was just like there was nothing and then nothing exploded, or if there was a God who created something from nothing, like it doesn't matter. We still have to do things on earth. Like it's, it's being a Christian isn't about knowing all the things it's about, you know, modeling how you live to make the world a better place. And I think that's where, uh, the late, like Christopher Hitchens would call BS. Because he would say, at the hands of religion comes all of the major world wars. The the human suffering is because of religion that names its God and is willing to kill, divide, harm the rest of the people who do not adhere to that God. So I do agree with both of you. It's what you do with it. I think where somebody like Sam Harris, Christopher Hitchens, and you can there's a there's a list would say, I love that, but you're not you're wrong. Like sure, sure. But most Christians, and this is obviously like a, a caricaturization, but most Christians have been willing to put their hand to the sword, to violence, to, to dominate the world and not serve it. Mm-hmm. So um, what I think they would say, and it, it haunts me too, of like, well, at the end of the day, Occam's razor, um, what, what's the harm? And that's true if, mm-hmm. if, if we're living in, in a Jesus ethic and a Jesus mindset to serve the poor to care for the world to love god and love each other agreed i love occam's razor for that uh, in that respect if if we're addicted to religion the opposite is then true it's like mm. well there you go it is the this is why the atheist has a, a viable claim because look at what religion does you know detached from the heart care personality creativity joy love of <clears throat> religion is a cancer to the world it harms it divides it creates wars. It, we could go on. But I think that's maybe that's a good spot to to end our conversation. I feel like we could do like four or five more. Oh yeah, podcasts. there's so many that we could do on, <laughs> on this. But I think that's the key learning that that I've picked up here is two things from you, Jordanus, is is the scaffolding to to take and learn truth wherever you find it. I love mm-hmm. that. That's a good conviction for me. Is the creator and sustainer love that and then i think too the 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 haunting imagery of like this is what is at risk it's not just like good thinking and um scientific process it's like if we get in the way of human thriving if we get in the way of human nurture and um self-sacrificial love we are screwing creation up. We are screwing the world up. We are standing in the way of the divine order and process of things, and that should arrest us. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I think it um, uh, goes back to the quote from uh, Saint Augustine that I read earlier. It's, uh, it's. I, I, I like what you said about getting getting in the way. Is is I think that if we cling uh, too tightly to everything in that book being one hundred percent what happened all the time. Uh, and are not willing to uh, give any deference to to the intelligence that God has given us. Uh, we, I think, I really feel strongly that we we are able to understand things about this world mm-hmm. because God gave us the capacity to do that. Mm-hmm. And every time we succeed in that is is glory to God because we are made in His image. Uh, and and the more complex His world is, the more exciting it should be to us rather than something that we should be fighting against and so for us to push back about that simply because our own faith is so brittle that it can't withstand any sort of challenge uh i think is doing a great disservice to uh to our creator and this guy says he is an intelligent right yeah i know Come right on kavod all over the place over <laughs> but just to, to to round things off a bit i've got one one last question for for each of us sort of thing um 
uh, like I love that we get to have these conversations. We get to talk through some of these big topics. And a lot of the feedback that I've been seeing is that we're hearing a lot of you guys from home say, we love that we get to have these conversations and then take this and go and talk to other people about it. Yeah. So as we all go forward in our own lives and as any of our viewers go forward, what is something that you would encourage them to talk about on this topic as they talk to their friends? I'm, I feel like I've, I've got one in the chamber for this. Uh, it was one of my um, uh, professors in, in grad school that has since passed away. But uh, in the academic world, this is so like just germane to how to learn. It's like you stay in your lane, be open and curious. Stay in your lane, be open mm -hmm. and curious. Like know what you know and be open to the knowledge that other people are investing their whole lives into. Learn from them. Truth is truth is truth wherever you may find it. I love how you put it as like, we can't have so like brittle and shriveled of a faith that we're like, we're just like these old clunky men and women, you know, waiting for our hip replacements. Like that's the the vision of faith that is, that's so non-compelling, you know, so to be open, curious, uh, excited and like enamored by the mystery of the world and the creative attributes of God and just keep pursuing that. I think that's it. That's it right there mm -hmm. for me. Mm -hmm. Brandon, do you have one? Uh, well, yeah, I think I would just, uh, well, I have two things. I think I would just expand on the, um, just go back to the point about, uh, about brittle faith. I think, I think for me, and, and when, when I say that I speak from experience, because like I mentioned earlier, like I went through this huge crisis as I started digging into historical texts and realizing that, uh, scholarly consensus, uh, is not on the side of the things you read in Exodus as having happened. Yep. And that's a whole nother that's discussion whole nother that we could go on for forever. And I'm already going to get killed in the comments. Uh, Brandon.ike at them. <laughs> here he goes again. Uh, <laughs> but what I would say is, I think that I came out the other side of that with a stronger faith because when I was met with a challenge, when I was met with, with knowledge that seemed to contradict uh, what I was taught to believe and what I had grown up believing, um, despite my predilections at certain points, I did not give up on my faith. Yeah, I, so good. Yeah. I reevaluated it. I said, okay, uh, does this being true suddenly mean that everything else is not true? No. Mm -hmm. Until you can, uh, you know, unless, unless the personage of Christ is, 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 is his existence is disproven and unless you can prove, uh, with all certainty that Jesus did not rise from the dead, uh, then, then it doesn't really matter if the other things are wrong because our, our faith, our salvation is based entirely on the fact that Jesus died and was resurrected. Yep. We, you know, there are probably intelligent people that would give an argument on well, why it was impossible for him to come back. But what we know is, what we know is, is that Jesus existed. We know that he had followers and we know that many of those followers, the ones who his immediate followers, the apostles, they went to their deaths, refusing to turn away from what they were had professed as their belief and if it was a lie that they invented uh then why would they cling to it so strongly the way that they did and i'm sure we, that's an, again another conversation we could have but the point that i'm trying to make is mm -hmm. i i don't think that we should be so afraid to encounter new ideas and new understandings simply because it challenges our faith i think that it makes our faith stronger when we wrestle with that and we invite god into that process uh, second of all, uh, I've noticed that between this and the health podcast that I only seem to be on the podcasts that are very, uh, controversial topic wise. <laughs> uh, I'm starting to think that, uh, uh, you know, the thought process is, oh, we need somebody who can get skewered. Let's bring the IT guy on. Cause it doesn't matter if he has bad <laughs> theology. Yeah. Bring in the podcast. So, uh, next time, ne Scapegoat. <laughs> next time I would like to be on the podcast about why Jesus is great. Okay. We'll have you on sexuality podcasting. <laughs> Yeah. Um, yeah, for me, I would just say exactly what you, um, what everyone mentioned is that to encourage asking. It's, um, mm. I think what a lot of people tend to go towards science is because the method of science is, is to ask and through experimental um, questionings and, and re re repeatability, yeah. you, you confirm that it's true by actually questioning and, and digging deep to understand it. And I think with religion, religion, not relationship with God, we're told not to question authority. Yeah. And I think 
we have the written word as well as the living word that is Jesus. Mm. Um, and he is to be followed. He he went against the the religious authorities to to show what God is about. Yeah. Mm. So I think I use that as inspiration for me to take in a matter and and question it. Yeah. Question everything. I, th I think we have a better way of understanding when we have that open mindness of wanting to learn everything from different perspectives rather than just shutting off. I'm in my box. I don't want to know what's yeah. out there. Kind of. I think that opens my mind and helps me under understand things um, in a, a broader and and more uh, experimental way. Mm. And one other thing I wanted to add was um, one experiment that just fascinates me. It's called the double slit experiment it's duality it's where um they're trying to understand they still don't know they're trying to understand what a particle is or a, a photon is so they're shooting through the double slit um and they're finding out that when it's being observed it acts as a particle but when it's not being observed through a camera or trying to be measured it acts as a wave yeah. it's the duality and i that just they still don't know why and I think that's just so fascinating that how right. when things are being observed, it, it is a particle, it's a material thing we can see. I don't know. And my, my thoughts are it's because our sustainer, our God, that is just watching over all of us. That makes us just more than just waves rather than, um, yeah, I don't know. I, I thought that was very interesting and kind of like, yeah, super cool. More than just into. the eye or doesn't. Yeah. So, yeah. But follow Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, friends. I, I love that. And I, I hope you guys can have some great conversations at home about this as well. And we'd love to hear your feedback too. Uh, if you leave comments on any of our socials or if you send us emails in. But thanks, friends. Ciao.